Thanks to Grant. The guys that have led us through our time of worship tonight, it's been lovely, hasn't it? Singing those beautiful songs of praise. Let me pray. Father, as we uh, just come now to uh, the opening up of your word and particularly to uh, the second part in this uh, series on dating, Lord, we just ask for your, uh, yeah, just for your um, enabling to be able to learn from you tonight, recognising that you know, this will speak to people in different ways. Uh, people are at different uh, you know, stages in life. Uh, some uh, may uh, wonder where uh, the relevance perhaps for this message is tonight, but recognising, Lord, that, um, that you call us to be, uh, first of all, a part of uh, your family and community, so we, uh, you know, we get an opportunity to, um, you know, to help encourage each other in our walks with you. And, uh, of course, we're all, again, as I said, we're at all different stages, so you know, we can uh, certainly encourage each other in this. Recognising too, Lord, that uh, first and foremost, this message tonight is really about um, you know living our life first and foremost for you, and uh, in honour and glory of you, and uh, Lord, uh, living lives that are indeed holy lives. So we just ask, Father, that uh, now as we um, spend this time together, you might encourage us and teach us through your Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're uh, into this. Uh, Last one tonight in this series on dating, uh, sorry, in, in gender issues, and uh, we are going to be looking at this whole aspect of dating, part two uh, of the, uh, the the messages that we start started last week. As we said last week, we began looking at this issue of dating relationships, and we saw that our world really seeks to uh, to shape us into its mould, doesn't it? That our, you know seeks to make us in our lives to be patterned after its ways. Culture is designed to make us sort of fit in. And so, uh, you know, you know, uh, as uh, culture sort of, you know, um, sort of pushes us and 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 uh, wants to push us into a specific mould, a mould which uh, you know the world wants us to uh, to believe, a worldview, um, you know, values, and all those sorts of things. And uh, we are, you know, we're told as followers of Jesus Christ that in fact we are to be, uh, we're to live differently in the world. And last week we looked at this particular verse from Romans 12:2, which says that you know we're no longer to conform, you know, to uh, to patterns of this world, but instead that we need to be able to, we need to have our minds transformed by the renewing of God's word. And, uh, you know, as I said last week, we live in this kind of over-sexualised world, don't we? A world that's fixated on this romantic intimacy. And a couple of examples I gave last week was from, um, you know, these particular TV shows that we see for, so frequently on our, uh, on our TVs now, you know, The Bachelorette and Married at First Sight and so forth like that. And as we see through these kind of programs and, and the world around about us and through magazines and newspapers and the media and lots of different ways, we see that, um, that our world has sadly you know, got this, this human twi- sexuality. This twi- they've twisted it. And it is, they've twisted it into something that is far different from God's good design. As I said, we need to have hearts and minds that are renewed by his spirit and by his word, especially when it comes to this whole aspect of male and female relationships and dating and marriage. Um, last week, if you were here, you uh, know that we were using the, uh, this whole word dating as uh, the framework of our uh, message and also looking at the, uh, the passage in, uh, in Scripture was from Song of Solomon's, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, chapters 1 through to 3, verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5. So if you've got your Bibles there, you might like to turn to that. If you go to the middle of your Bible, you'll find Psalms. If you go forward a couple of books uh, through Proverbs, through Ecclesiastes, you'll come to Song of Songs. 
Last week we looked at, uh, we began to look at this issue of dating. We looked at the letters D, A and T. Can anyone remember what the D was for? Desire. Awesome. Glad to see my daughter answer that question. Thank you, darling. Well done. All right, desire. And we saw that, uh, that in, in uh, Song of Songs, verse, uh, verse 2, and the woman said, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. And we saw that romantic desire is very much a normal and healthy thing, but it needs to happen in the right context. And that context we saw was marriage, that, that God has designed marriage where, you know, where we find you know, the fulfilment of that romantic desire. Worldly culture, as I said, would have us believe that the kind of, uh, of sexual love and desire between consenting adults is, is all good, regardless whether or not you know, um, that couple has any kind of lasting commitment to each other or not, or even if that couple has, uh, you know, are of the same sex. God has designed marriage to be between a man and a woman you know, for life to the exclusion of all others. And so when we see our world sort of, you know, celebrating this, this romantic love in other ways, we just see how on earth, how, you know, it has been distorted, how this romantic love has been distorted with, from God's beautiful design. So that was disease, the D for desire. What was the A for? Can we remember? Now I'm making you think, aren't I? Admiration. Admiration. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, admiration. As we saw last week, again, there is much more to love than just physical attraction. We saw that in uh, in verse uh, three of chapter one, particularly the second part of it, where she, uh, the girl says, "Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is like oil poured out. Therefore, the young women or the virgins, they love you." You know, it's at the end of the day, it's more important to uh, to have a, a character, a, 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 a godly character, than, than this physical appearance. And yet, you know, we put so much emphasis today on physical appearance, don't we? Physical beauty is, is idolised in our world. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is not, as I said last week, that the woman is a candidate for Australia's next top model, or the guy is this, you know, this chiselled sort of fellow with a six-pack and all that sort of stuff. But indeed, our main focus should be on the kind of character that they have. Your name is oil poured out, meaning that he is admired. This person is admired and respected by others. He is held in esteem, a man of integrity. Not just, as I said last week, some sweet-smelling, good-looking hunk who just happens to be a good kisser. Okay, that's what, we, that's what we were looking at. Okay. But what we need to remember too, okay, is that the person whom we date or we marry will never be perfect. So we need to make sure that we don't continually see them through rose-coloured glasses. That we need to have a, real, a realism about, you know, about how we enter into relationships. That realism we sort of see in our uh, in this mo- this uh, video clip, which um, hopefully uh, is going to come up now. Doug, can you play that for me? You'll see this girl is certainly not entering into a relationship with her eyes shut. Hey, I'm here for the inspection. Certainly, he's right over here. As we talked about on the phone, exactly what you're looking for. Right age, great for kids if you're looking to go in that direction and, well, I think the view speaks for itself. Hmm, I'm not so keen on the view. And are you sure he's had a pest inspection? It looks like he has lice. Yeah, yeah, no, he does have a bit of a head lice problem. Guys, I'm standing right here. Yeah, look, he's got good foundations and, um... Maybe he does need a lick of paint around the edges. It says he likes FIFA. He's a doer-upper. He has mother issues. A renovator's delight. 
seems like a lot of maintenance. Darlings, I have feelings. Look, I've got other interested parties coming this afternoon, so don't want to put pressure on you, but... Oh, uh, no, Zach, didn't you say she was the only interest we had? Did... Seriously? <laughs> Look, we're not asking for much. It's just a one-day deposit and, like, you got to admit, he's got a certain country charm. Hmm, I don't know. Can you throw in a bug bombing? Done. Guys, what are you doing? Guys, I'm still in it. Guys! <laughs> we realised there was a hole in the market for a service uni students right, could mate, afford. You can turn it off now, That's why we're... Thanks, Doug. All right, well, as you can see, that girl was certainly not entering into that relationship with her eyes shut, was she? Uh, she was, uh, you know, asking all the right questions and that sort of thing. Uh, poor fellow who uh, obviously appeared to have a bit of a, a head lice problem. I mean, it's a bit of a funny look, isn't it? But, you know, sometimes we can. We can go into relationships and all we sort of focus on is the external and we actually don't get, you know, we really don't ask those, uh, those important questions. And uh, that leads us to the next point, which is the T. And who can remember what the T was for? Trajectory. That's right. Excellent. In other words, what we're talking about here is what is it that, we were, that we're aiming for from a relationship? Because dating should have a purpose or a trajectory. We need to be asking, is this person suitable for me to marry? Because dating is itself the forerunner to courting, that, that period in the relationship where you actually start working together towards marriage and uh, towards actually you know, um, re, uh, send, where you're actually remembering to... Uh, and that's all right, I've just had a bit of a tongue twist there, that you are entering into this relationship, you are moving towards this marriage, you are going to be looking at spending the rest of your life with one another. But what if you're not ready to get married? What if you're not ready to get married? Then we need to remember that uh, if we're not ready to get married, then we've got to ask ourselves, then why is, what is the reason we're dating for in the first place? Because when we sort of start entering into these relationships and we sort of start entering into this, this um, you know, really dealing with one another's emotions and one another's feelings, if we sort of start moving particularly into that courting direction, then it can be a real recipe for heartache. Main purpose, of course, in our lives is that we are to glorify God and not make marriage an idol like we make many other things in our lives an idol. And so having sort of looked at the, you know, covered those, uh, the, the, uh, the D, the A and the T, Okay, there it is. Their main purpose is to glorify God. All right. The other thing, just as I remember that, that sometimes we can think that marriage, uh, you know, is is something to move to because we're actually looking for a, a source of joy and peace and purpose in our lives. We should never think that a, that a spouse can bring all those things to us. That first and foremost, that has got to come from God and from our relationship with God. And so if we think that a marriage is actually, or you know, dating is actually going to solve all of those problems about giving us a, a sense of happiness and peace and purpose in our lives, then we need to first, you need to go back and ask ourselves the question, well, who is it that we're really living for? Are we really living for ourselves or are we living for, uh, for God? All right, so that covers the, uh, the D, the A and the T. So, of course, in the, uh, the next letter comes up is this intentionality. And I'll put all the points up there because I forgot to put in the little, you know, things step by step. So you're going to get it all at once tonight, okay? All right. So intentionality. As I said, this follows on from the previous point in that once you've decided you're ready to find someone to marry, then it's important that you are intentional in what you are looking for. Know what you're looking for in a mate. 
Okay, and how to go about achieving this in the right way according to God's plan and purpose. Was in this particular passage that we're looking at uh, in uh, Song of Songs, we find that the woman has already figured out what she wants and she makes her attentions clear in verse 7. She says, Tell me to the man whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon, for why should I be like the one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? What she's saying is that, look, you know, I'm, a bit, I'm, I'm quite attracted to you and I want to know where you are. I want to come and hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. She knows what she's after. She knows the kind of person that she's after. She knows the kind of man that she's after. She can see that he's a man of character. She can see that he's a man who's obviously a, you know, a hard worker. He's tending his flocks and things like that. And so she wants to get to know him a little bit more. And so she's starting to be a little bit more intentional in this relationship. She thinks that this guy's the man for her and she's not going to be backward in coming forward. But that's not to say that she's actually overbearing or forceful in the relationship. She makes her feelings clear, yet she still wants the man to take the initiative. We see that in verse 4, where she says, Draw me after you. Draw me after you. Let us run. Let the king has brought me into his chamber. She wants the man to take the lead in the relationship. Now, one of the things which has, that sort of comes through here is that, you know, that this woman is, is not at this stage going to allow herself to become too vulnerable. You know, to become more vulnerable than is necessary. She's not going to gamble all of her heart too early in the relationship. And sometimes we can be guilty of doing this in the relationship. We can sort of just be, you know, right from the word go, just be all in. And uh, we need to remember that, you know, the, we get to know people over time and not to just, you know, put ourselves out there and everything about ourselves. For starters, girls, you can scare a guy. He'll run 100 miles if all of a sudden you're just going to be dumping everything on him right from the word go, okay? And girls, you can think, whoa, hang on a minute. This guy can be a little bit, perhaps a little bit too strong in, in, you know, in, his, uh, in, uh, in what he uh, expects from the relationship if all of a sudden he's sort of on the first date starting to think about, well, hey, um, you know, what about when we get married and things like that that's going to scare her off as well but we need to remember not to gamble our hearts too early in the relationship but to take our time to get to know each other to develop trust and confidence in the relationship and sure i mean that's not going to guarantee that your heart won't get broken in that but what it does do is it certainly you know minimizes the risk a little bit you know from uh, from that perspective And once the feelings have been reciprocated by the guy, though, this woman then starts to think of building a life together with this man. We see this in verses 16 and 17 of of, of chapter 1, where where she says, Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green, the beams of our house are cedar, our rafters are pine. She's starting to think of the house that they might have and uh, perhaps, you know, looking, looking ahead towards maybe a family or something along those lines, or having children. Now she's sort of starting to think in her mind, well, yeah, this is the guy I really want to settle down with. And these are the things that they then start to, uh, to process and start to think about and start to talk about in the relationship. We've got to know what we're looking for. We need to know what it is that we're looking for in the relationship. To know what you want in a husband or a wife. And you need to be sensible about that. Don't compromise on the essentials as I've got up there. And what are the essentials? Well, they're the non-negotiables. The first is this, that they are a fellow believer in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says this, Do not be equally yoked, unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? 
The Apostle Paul's writing there in terms of this relationship together that, you know, for people who are in Christ, they have been brought into a new family, the family of God. They've been brought into this kingdom of righteousness, this kingdom of light. And what does that have to do with darkness and with lawlessness? You know, when we, when you sort of start to come together in, in that kind of relationship, whether it be in a marriage relationship or a business partnership or something along those lines, you know, the person who is a follower of Christ is walking a, is walking a path towards that and hopefully walking a path of, of holiness and righteousness in Christ or at least seeking to be that kind of person. Whereas the other person is on, you know, on a, on a completely different path. And, uh, and when we sort of enter into those kind of relationships and we try to walk that path, then sooner or later what's going to happen is one person has got to change paths. And oftentimes it is the, 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 the believer who actually changes paths and actually walks away from their faith and walks away from, from God and his church. I've seen this time and time and time again. But Christian marriage is about reflecting the glory of God and about reflecting Christ's relationship with his church. And you cannot do this with a non-Christian spouse. And so what's termed as missionary dating, that is, you know, dating to order, you know, sort of, you know, hopefully, you know, get your partner to, uh, to come to a relationship with Christ is in fact a contradiction with God's will for you and for your life. Because we need to be asking ourselves, will this person help me to grow in holiness and in maturity and in the faith, or will they in fact be a hindrance? But we can ask ourselves that same question in any kind of relationship, can't we? Even with just friends. You know, the, 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 the circle of friends that we have around us, are they people who are going to help us and encourage us to walk in a godly way and in a way which honours Christ and, and walks in a way towards spiritual maturity? Or are those friends going to be a bad influence and, and an influence to, to take us away from Christ? Our social circles, and by the way, we're talking not just about young people here, but about all of us, folks, because we've all got friends. We've all got those social circles, whom we, you know, people whom we interact with. And yes, we're to be salt and light in the world, and we're actually to, you know, to have you know, relationships with, uh, with, with people not of, the, not of the faith, because we need to, to, uh, to pour out our hearts and lives to them and, 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 and encourage them to actually accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. But... If the influence is coming the other way, then that's where we've actually really got to start, you know, being very, very careful and very wary. So what are the other things that we need to take into consideration? Well, we mentioned earlier character. That's really important. Girls, you need to ask yourself, how does, you know, this, uh, this, this man that, you've, uh, that you have an interest in, how does he treat his mother and his sisters if he has any? Because the way in which he treats his mum or his sisters or, or other women in his life is going to be a, a very much a key indicator to how he's actually going to treat you in the relationship. And if he's disrespective of his mother and if he's, you know, if he's uh, disrespective towards his sisters and things like that, then you can guarantee that he's going to be the same with you as, it, as, as the relationship goes on. Guys, how does the woman conduct herself? You know, does she conduct herself with, uh, you know, with a sense of, of decorum and modesty and things like that? We can ask ourselves what the, that person's work ethic is like, whether or not they're a, a lazy person or whether or not they've actually got a, you know, a good work ethic. They're a hard worker. 
What are their goals in life? Are you both actually, you know, got, got similar goals, wanting to work towards together the same things? These are the kind of things that we need to actually get clear in our own minds, in our own hearts, before we actually sort of start to get even more serious about these relationships that we're entering into. Intentionality is really, really important. Well, let's move on to our next uh, letter, and uh, that is, of course, N. And the N stands for, it's actually not about you. Christian relationships, dating and marriage specifically, are not designed primarily to have our needs met, but instead to work together so God is glorified and the other person is affirmed and valued by our words and by our actions that they themselves are built up in their faith. Look at chapter 2, verses 1 through to 4 in Song of Songs. The woman says, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valley, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, he says, so is my love among the young women. And she says, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among young men. With great delight I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. In these verses we see this picture of a man and a woman treasuring and building up the other person. The woman thinks that she's just this plain old valley, this valley flower that grows on the plains and, and as I said, in, in the valleys, this, this rose of Sharon and lily of the valleys. These uh, kind of um, little flowers are the wildflowers that grow in, in, uh, in Israel and those kind of places and they're, they're all over the place. And she kind of sees herself as being a bit ordinary, a bit like you know, these kind of uh, just ordinary flowers. Yet the man assures her that she is like a rose among thorn bushes compared to the other girls. How romantic. A rose among thorns, he says. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among young women. The woman says that her man stands out among other men like an apple tree in a forest. He provides comfort and security. He's a nourisher of the woman. She seeks to come under his banner, it says in verse 4, that family marker or identification of his family. So it points to a willingness for her to actually want to come under his family banner, under his authority, under his household, and submit herself to him. And it's significant that it's the woman who wants to come and sit under his banner and not vice versa. Yet her submission is not a negative one or an enforced one. She's not resentful of this. Because for her to be in his presence is like being at a feast. And his banner over her is love. He cherishes her. See, dating, dating and marriage, sorry, dating and marriage, you know, they involve sacrifice and submission. We see this in Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 23, verses 22 to 33, which speak about this marriage relationship and how it's meant to reflect the gospel, how it reflects Christ's relationship with the church. And it says to the man that the man is, he's the one who needs to lay, be ready to lay down his life. Lay down his life for his, for, his, for his bride as Christ laid down his life for the church. And there's, a, there's, there's many, many of those verses that speak very much to the man, but there's only a very, just a couple at the beginning that speak to the woman about you know, respecting and submitting and her husband. But you know, any kind of relationship like this, any serious relationship in terms of dating and marriage, involve that sacrifice and submission. And that leads to sanctification. Becoming Christ-like. 
because God will use our partners to sanctify us. Never thought of your relationship like that, did you? That God gave you your marriage partner, if you've got one, in order to sanctify you and vice versa. Because guys, you know, you can, uh, you know, you, as young guys, you know, you can sort of, you know, live as young guys do, you know, sort of shower every two or three days or whatever and that sort of stuff and, you know, leave your smelly uh, stuff in your school bags and things like that. But, of course, those sort of things, you know, only your mum kind of really knows about, all right? But when, it's, when you all of a sudden come into a relationship like this and, and the person starts to get to see you warts and all, all these things come to the surface and you can't hide it anymore and these kind of rough edges and the things are the things that God wants to knock off you. He wants to make you holy. And, God, and ladies, it's the same thing. There are going to be some things in your life which you're completely oblivious to. But when all of a sudden you enter into this relationship with this guy and he's going to sort of start to say, hey, you know what? Oh, I don't know about this. Well, what about that? And he starts pointing some of these things out. No, I'm not a lady, so I don't know what they are. Okay, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get myself in trouble here, so... <laughs> But God wants to sanctify us through that relationship. God has given you that person in order to help you to both grow together in holiness. God uses our partners to sanctify us. And in this way, God shows his grace and his glory. All right, last one. Here we are, finally at the end. G. G is to that we need to set a guard. As you look over the, uh, the page in uh, Song of Songs um, from um, chapter 2, verse 7, you'll also um, see that chapter 2, verse 7, the, uh, the verse there is actually repeated in chapter 3, verse 5. So it's kind of like this bracketing, if you like, okay? And uh, as we read that, it says this, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. You are not to stir up love or awaken it until, you know, until, it, uh, until it pleases. In other words, there's a proper time and a right time for physical intimacy to take place. And that is after marriage and not before. We need to put in place proper boundaries so that we won't be tempted to awaken love before the proper time. That we shouldn't be putting ourselves in situations where we know we'll be at risk spending too much time alone with the other person and in places that are perhaps inappropriate. We're to avoid excessive physical contact and, and know ourselves and our own weaknesses and set those boundaries you know, right at the beginning so you know where they are. It's no good trying to work these boundaries out as you go along because it's too late by then. They've got to be put in place right from the word go. You need to know, you know what is acceptable and what is not and, and not be asking yourself the question, how far can I go before it's too far? Because if you start to get into that mentality, you're a goner. Okay, it's as simple as that. You're just asking for trouble with this kind of mindset. And so we need to, to set these guards. We need to have, you know, set down the parameters of the relationship very, very early on in the police. And we need to, we need to have... And accountability to others as well. In uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through to 14, the woman speaks of her beloved who comes to her house and actually seeks to entice her away with him because he doesn't want, he doesn't want them to, to deny themselves any longer the, the, the pleasures of the physical intimacy. 
And, uh, and the woman, you know, she says in verse 15, she appeals to others to help them to catch the little foxes for us. Let me just read it, uh, just, uh, just a few of these verses to you. He said, verse 10, My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. You see, you get the impression there that this guy is wanting this lady to come away with him there and then. And yet she says, she, she, she actually speaks to people outside of the relationship where she says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. What does it mean for them to catch the little foxes? What it's pointing to is the temptations that seek to spoil the relationship, to undermine God's proper and good purposes for the relationship. And there's a recognition, excuse me, that this couple needs that assistance from others to remain faithful and pure in within the relationship. And what we need to understand is that dating is a matter of of doing our best to discern this person's ability to fulfill God's vision and purpose for marriage with you. And that means putting in these guards. It means being accountable because while you might be the one to, 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 to have the final say in the relationship, you might not be the best person to assess the relationship at every point. Sometimes you need people outside to actually look in and peer in and actually see things which you can't from being right there in the midst of it. Just as in every other area of our Christian lives, we need the body of Christ as we think about you know, who to date and how to date and when to wed. But you might say, well, you know what, you know, trying to get other people's perspectives, sometimes, you know, you don't want to be sharing things with, you know, with some people because you don't want it being gossiped around the place and that sort of thing. And that's, and that's understandable. But you need to develop these people whom you can trust, people whom you can confidently go to and actually give them permission to speak into the relationship. We need that. Now, gaining the perspective of people who know us and who love us people who themselves have a great hope for our future, you know, taking their advice on board will always pay dividends for us. And yeah, it may lead to hard conversations and it might even lead to some disagreement with people as well. But what it will do is it will force us to actually address and confront these issues that we may not have seen on our own or we didn't want to address on our own. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says that there is safety in an abundance of counsellors. You know, guys, you know, what your families think is really, really important, particularly your mums and dads. They want to be able to rejoice with you in the relationship. But, but so often we, we can see, you know, situations where, you know, a person, you know, takes on a, 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 a per, another person in the relationship, they enter into this relationship and they don't care what their mums and dads say or anything like that. Their mums and dads, even with the experiences that they've had, and it creates di- division and disruption in that. We need to, to recognise that we live in community and we need to take on board what others are saying to us. 
So invite other people to look into your relationship. Spend time together with other people, with couples and singles who are willing to point out the good, the bad and the ugly in the relationship. So there you have it. God does not want to rob you of your joy. God's not in the, in the business of trying to be this cosmic killjoy in your life. His purpose is that you might know that true blessing that comes from the relationships, the way that he has designed them, his good and perfect way. Now, for his glory and for our good, we need to keep reminding us, ourselves of that fact that God indeed has our good at heart. But in ignoring God's ways and doing it the world's way, folks, we'll only hurt ourselves, we'll only harm ourselves and we'll cause pain to others. So dating, relationships, marriage relationships, any kind of relationships, let's look at doing it the right way, God's way. Hey? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that um, as we've just looked at this, you know, this... um, aspect of dating we've seen that lord even though it uh, very much focuses on you know the, uh, the the male and female relationship but there is a lot of uh, things that we can take away for our own well-being and that you know you indeed are a god who loves us who wants our good who who you know wants us to reflect your grace and your mercy your love and your glory in our lives Lord, you want us to live holy lives not because you just, you know, you just this uh, God who's got this kind of narcissistic kind of tendency, but you are a God who deeply cares for us and that your glory indeed is paramount in this world because people need to see it. They need to know it. They need to come into contact with you because we need salvation through Jesus Christ. We need to know who you are. We need to know that you are indeed this holy God, this, this God who indeed seeks to, you know, who's created us, who seeks to have this relationship with us. Lord, help us to live lives which truly reflect that, which reflect your goodness, which reflect your grace, which reflect your perfect design for humankind. Help us to be those people. Help us to go forward from this place and into this week with these things in our minds, you know, determined to be people who indeed live holy lives for your glory and for our good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.